You're listening to the IHOPKC Family Connect podcast. In these 30-minute family conversations, fueled by the Word of God, the beauty of Jesus, and His glorious return, we will explore the narratives the Lord is weaving in the story of the global body of Christ as we digest what the Lord is saying to the church today. Hello and welcome. My name is David Slyker. I'm the president of the International House of Prayer University. And I'm joined today with Isaac Bennett. He's the lead pastor of Forerunner Church. Thank you so much for yeah, doing this with me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love being here. Thank you Thanks. to your wife for letting you jump in, for real. I, I was know. doing yard work, so you can <laughs> come help me afterwards. No, I'm so glad you're here. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And then, of course, we're here with Corey Russell. Corey's the, what's your title now? <laughs> Teaching pastor, leader, builder, prayer room. Yeah, I saw your title as teaching pastor somewhere, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got to be intercessor to me. Yeah, like yeah, I can't yeah. It was global prayer room director was what it was at one time, and we're kind of figuring that out. I like that title. Though. Yeah, yeah. I do Beautiful. too. I'll put a word in for you if you want. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll give you a recommendation. And then, of course, we're joined again. Thank you for coming back, Billy oh, Humphrey, yeah. director of awesome. Gate City Church. Love being here. And now, so I want to I want to jump right in, and of course, you take it, Isaac, wherever you want to go. As we find ourselves in such a Really unusual particular moment. The fathers, the Lou's, the Mike's, the the leaders and fathers of the prayer movement that birthed. Yeah, Lauren Cunningham, Dick Eastman. You got oh, it. Yeah. No, you got it. Th- th- there's a there's a modern expression of the prayer movement that the Lord started. He set it into motion related to the end of the age mm-hmm. and the return of Jesus. And we're in the next phase of it. We're in the next iteration. The fathers that really pushed at 40 wow. are now in their 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so now all of us are coming into our 40s and 50s. The 20-year-olds and the 30-year-old leaders are coming behind, and they're, they're amazing. There's some amazing young yeah. people in this movement. But the conversation is around what's the, the near future. We talk a lot about the last few years, right before the Lord's return, but how do we set ourselves for the next 10 years of where things are at in society, in America, the economy, politics? There's just a... A rage and a fear and a storm and a confusion and what folks out there are wanting to know is how do I drown out the noise Mm -hmm. how do I set myself and what am I about the next 10 years to prepare for the next 10 20 after that I hope people are asking that question maybe they're not I hope they are they should be they should be asking that question yeah for sure why I don't I don't know that most people are going what do I how do I just kind of put my head down and serve in faithfulness and secret for the next 10 years. I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. I, I, I would that people would ask that question, but I think more people are going, how do I maintain a level of comfort, security, yeah. uh, may maintain a, a particular level in my life? How do I do that the next 10 years? And I think all of that is shifting and changing. So we need to be asking dis- different questions. It's not the time to figure out the future of your organization, right? to figure out the, your future title and how you're gonna maintain what you've built. Yeah. It's time to, to dig deep and find the comrades and the friends that you're going to do this with and lay hold of something with that you can count on when it starts coming down. That's kind of the idea that I'm working with. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Corey, I'd love to hear what you have to say on that. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's just it, it simplifies, you know, as the, the backdrop gets more intense, as the things we've been, you know, seeing and praying into and prophesying and seeing in the word now we're starting to see it begin to increase in culture and increase in our nation Mm -hmm. and i think as things become more intense out there it actually simplifies things in here on what we're about uh our intentionality that's the main word that i keep getting 
is intentionality. Mm -hmm. um, intentionality with God, intentionality with one another, intentionality about the cultivation of our interior life and breakthrough with each other. And so, yeah, I, I just think it's, I think it's about intentionality there and then intentionality about discipleship is what's something that's just screaming on the inside of me. We've got to take our level two, you know, because we always feel we're always at a two, and begin to turn to uh, ones around us and start and just begin to cultivate, you know, realities in the Bible, discipleship, and going on that journey together. So I think it actually simplifies um, w what we've been doing generally. It begins to become more focused as we uh, move into these really years. Good. Really good. One of the things that I thought Mike said, and he's, he's using this phrase, we're looking at a decade of de detox, mm. a decade of detox. And he was teasing the idea out that basically the last 10, 20 years has been a season in the church where we've built everything around, really around man, man man's pleasures, what makes man popular, what makes man comfortable. And he said, the shaking that started, it's going to increase. Mm -hmm which will cause people to ask the question that Isaac was saying people need to be asking, what do we do? But he said this next 10 years, he goes, it's a decade of detox from that man-centered message to a God-centered message. And I, and I said, we're moving from an attractional <coughs> gospel to an apostolic gospel, which is as the apostles lived, fasting, praying, Sermon on the Mount, serving, giving, humility, actually yeah. doing this thing actually doing this thing, not just agreeing that it's the thing to do, but actually living out real fasting pr and prayer, real serving, real giving with a humble heart, a broken, humble heart of authenticity. And that's the thing I feel like the Lord has been emphasizing so much to me is vulnerability. The issue of having an open, vulnerable heart we're, we're open to God, vulnerably open to God, that he can say and do whatever he wants to do in us, and we're open and vulnerable to one another. Mm. So we're literally stepping into the first and second commandment with hearts wide open. Because I'm convinced the church has learned to do all the Christian stuff with a closed heart, which is why we see Jesus in Revelation 3.20. He's on the outside knocking on the door, let me in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about the church saying, Jesus, you can come in, you can do whatever you want. And, and I feel like the Lord is going to move us into a gospel that looks like the ancient past, something Corey's been hammering for 20 yeah. years, that looks like we're actually living in a manner that reflects, that, that represents in some way, uh, obviously culturally it's different, but the first century church. Hmm. So I'm going to ask a question that is really specific to the four of us in a way that may not apply to the general listener, but I, I think it'll apply to a bunch of leaders out there that are listening, but I don't think they think about this. One of the things that I wonder if it's going to change is, um, you know, when I go to different places, we, you know, IHOP, as you guys know, this, this house, IHOP KC has this really bizarre prophetic history. Mm. And, um, and it's a story that Mike for years has insisted is not his story. It's the right. story of the prayer movement which means it's our story. But one of the things that I find rare out there, and I wonder if it's going to shift in the next few years, is the stewardship of that story and the stewardship of those promises. Mm -hmm. Mike and I were filming a class about a year ago, and it was about perseverance and prayer. 
and that you know 30 40 years of persevering with some pretty ridiculous promises from the Lord related to what he was going to do related to the prayer movement related to intercession corporate intercession sustained worship based stay with it there's promises of salvation revival we know them well and uh, and I said so so next up is us we're gonna have to take that that mantle of perseverance in the waiting and he looks at me and he goes no he goes no you guys have a very different problem he goes I had the problem of perseverance in delay he goes you're gonna have the problem of perseverance in arrival he goes, you guys, are, you guys have a very different problem ahead of you than the one I have. And I don't know that as friends, we're staring at that together. Mm-hmm. I think we've become so used to delay that we're not preparing to steward together promises in actuality as they begin to unfold and what that looks like. So I don't even know if you can comment on what I'm saying because it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a new thought and I'm kind of springing it on you. Yeah, let me throw one more thought in there too. I mean, in terms of sustaining prayer, it's far more difficult to sustain prayer when things are going good when the meetings are exciting when the resources are flowing when there's new people joining our ministries um you know just across the body of christ so if we're talking about perseverance and arrival that's talking about developing the ability to say no at such a deep level being un untethered from the fear of man because you got to tell people no you got to tell opportunities no that is really really challenging and, um, you know, kind of what are you guys' thoughts on that? Where, where do we turn to look to for what happens to the prayer life of the church, of particular leaders in arrival? Yeah. Opportunities, controversy, and demands, which are harder to say no to. Well, the thing that maybe we need a little definition on is when we say arrival, we're not talking about 50 more people joining the ministry. Right. We're talking about a move of the Spirit of God that literally shifts the governmental yeah. power bases, the economic systems. It uproots everything that we know is normal because there's an onslaught of heaven that is breaking every existing structure, including the church. There's massive blessing and massive controversy. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not talking about a week of awesome meetings and you got 50 people saved. We're talking about something that's nationwide in effect, globally, you know, it, yeah, the it's influence Acts is 19 global. on a global scale. Yes. It's not just Ephesus, it's Atlanta, it's yes. Dallas, it's KC, it's New York, it's LA, it's and Baghdad. All, all, the, all the mechanisms of men, none of them got us here. Heaven, heaven is unleashed, and then what do we do? So when you say arrival, arrival sounds exciting, if you think it's a little bit more money and a little bit more people, right? But we're talking about an onslaught that's unmanageable. There's the no blessing is amazing. There is no perseverance in a little more staff and a little more money. Right. There's no persevering in that. Right. Yeah. Something that you said just triggered a thought. You know, we haven't prepared for the Lord to answer the last 20 years of prayer, the well, last 40 yes. years of prayer, the last 60 years, of, the last 100 years of prayer. If you want to go way back to you know, Seriously, Azusa they've been and praying. Da, da, da. The I mean, Pentecostals been praying for something like this yes. for a hundred years. Yes. Yeah, what happens when those prayers come to pass? I think the future of the prayer movement is intrinsically linked to those prayers being answered. Like, what if the Lord yes. actually answers Ephesians 1 for the body of Christ, and all of a sudden, people are moving in a spirit of wisdom and revelation like we've never seen before, but it's not 10 people. It's, you know, 100 million intercessors across the earth operating with a spirit of revelation like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think it's perseverance. I mean, I think when that comes, it's going to be probably another Act 6 kind of moment to where 
you know, the leaders and the perseverance and arrival is when those days come upon us. There's the managing of it, but there's also the stewarding of the flame mm. and the yeah. priority of the word and prayer that's going to require in the explosion. It's going to require administration, all hands on deck, as well as launching and, and all of that. But we need mothers and fathers that persevere in the original assignment. That's right. right. It's not right. just unto more. And this is until <laughs> and that we then we gather a whole new generation to the wall yeah. for the next contraction yeah. of the release of the spirit. Yeah, you know, we just uh we celebrated the, you know, 20 year anniversary of 9/11. And I've just been thinking about it, thinking about that event, thinking about what happened to the church and yeah. to the nation in the midst of that crisis. You know, a national crisis, boom, the prayer rooms, the churches, you know, the, everybody is on their face praying before God. Yes. Uh, believers, unbelievers, everybody yes. in the midst of crisis. So I feel like crisis galvanizes or it's like this catalytic moment for prayer. Mm. But it's actually the beauty of God that sustains it because it all ebbs and flows. Yes. I feel like we're in an ebb more than a flow right mm -hmm. now. That's my personal perception. Yeah. It's, it's very limited. I have a very limited scope. But from what I hear, from what I perceive, it feels like we're more in an ebb. And so I think there's two things that get us in the flow. It's either the increase of crisis or it's the increase of the revelation of the beauty of God. Mm -hmm. Beauty is what sustains us, and crisis is what catalyzes us. And so in terms of, you know, you brought up this morning, uh, or just earlier, the future of the prayer movement, I, those two have to be in our future to get the body yes. of Christ in the West praying. You know, there's something that's on the front of my mind. It's the, um, the church in Korea. You know, I've had... I've same, had I was just about to bring it up. Really? Yes. So, I, and maybe we'll bring up the same point, but I, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to be in Seoul a number of times. And when I talk to this generation that's in Seoul, that's the younger generation that's crying out for a move of the Spirit, they are burdened and they're broken because they're saying what we, what we are, are the previous generation got in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, it, has, it has receded in the 90s and the 2000s. In other words, we were, we were um, starving in barrenness and we cried out with aggression for breakthrough. Breakthrough came financially, numerically, salvifically, all these kinds of ways. And in the wilderness of blessing, we lost our way. We they, they literally, the Korean leaders, we lost our spirit of prayer. We lost our hunger for Jesus. We lost the spirit of revival that was on us. We lost our young people. We lost the young generation. And, you know, this is something we've got to grapple with is wow. the wilderness of barrenness. It's, it's hard. But what's harder is the wilderness of blessing. That's right. Well, there's another. Hmm. When I think about the next 10 years, I think about a, another promise that we might not be thinking about <coughs> related to our prophetic history. And it's the promise of deliverance from a Laodicean spirit. In other words, we are, all four of us, well aware that there's a lethargy, a dullness, um, all across the body of Christ, globally. That's no one is exempt. But uh, from you know what the Lord spoke to Howard Pittman back in mm -hmm. 1979, um, and so that that dullness, that perseverance through the drought season, and we you know again just remembering our story. There's a drought season mm -hmm. that's connected mm -hmm. to a Laodicean spirit, mm. and this prayer movement that the Lord has stirred up over the last 20 years is about breaking through that drought and breaking off that Laodicean spirit right. 
And the good news is that that arrival that the four of us kind of dread a bit also has with it the promise of deliverance from that Laodicean spirit. Mm. Let me let me throw a thought at you guys. One of the things I find out there in the body of Christ amongst leaders who don't have our shared story. Without our shared story, things are getting so bad so fast in such a surprising way. I'm finding leaders skipping revival and going right to the second coming. In other words, they're kind of going, is it is it time? Like, is the, is the return of the Lord nearer than we think? Mm. They've, they've gone right to that part of the story because government has gone wrong so fast. Mm. Economy, international dynamics. Things got dark, I think, at a speed that nobody was prepared for. And nobody has a story, either eschatological or prophetic. Nobody has a story to contextualize what's next. And I think what's unusual about the four of us and a, a cluster of us out there, but we're not maybe saying it enough is we have a story between now and the unique dynamics of the Lord's return we have a story to tell mm. related to our prophetic history that tells us that it's mm. not only going to be oppressive and dark and Facebook censoring and cancellation we have a story of breakthrough and deliverance and freedom from the Laodicean spirit we have a glorious story to stir the faith of the body of Christ how can we as a movement, not this little cluster here in KC, how can we as a movement better own that story and tell that story more as our own story? Mm. Yeah, I've been saying it for years that I believe presence and pressure produce prayer. And I think, I think it's both. I think we need to raise the banner high of revival history and raise the banner high of what the Bible says about you know, history, I mean, because in, in history, in these revival seasons, it all comes together. It's both the outpouring of the Spirit and earthquakes, famines, pestilence. There's breakthroughs in history, and it all happens, groans creation, as well as a move of God. I think it's raising the faith level of all of these and saying it's all going to combine, and there's going to be contractions that are going to keep leading until that day. <laughs> the thinning of the veil, um, an act of faith not just faithful, but full of faith. And, um, and so I, I think it's bringing both to the forefront and understanding mm -hmm. they all looking at history as we go forward. I think also, I mean, you, you, we have, a, we have a, a collective story that we're aware of that's a prophetic narrative that's shocking and dramatic. And you said, I think, weird. Like, it's bizarre in a bunch of ways. It really is. And, um, and it's, but it's not only for the group in Kansas City or even for the House of Prayer uh, movement. Mm -hmm. it's f it, this is a narrative that um, actually gives color to what's already in the scripture. And this is, I think, where we have to get it to. We gotta get to where we have biblical clarity on the drama of yes. the end of the age. And that's not just the drama of judgment. And it's not just the drama of revival, but the unique tensions of judgment, revival, um, satanic, accusation and oppression betrayal outpouring miracles this biblical drama is it's shocking and amazing and and what happens is this i feel like the lord gives us prophetic details to point us to the biblical yes. narrative so we can get biblical courage yes and the phrase that the lord's been saying to me is if you get theological clarity you'll have apostolic courage and that to me is where the rubber meets the road because honestly I can't remember the dream I had 15 years ago that really rocked me 15 years
but the Bible verse that has pinned my soul to something in God hmm. that I cannot shake. That's my day in and day out reality. And so I was saying to somebody the other day, I'm convinced that there are there is a massive movement across the earth of the the raising up of 24/7 prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. Now the first time I heard that phrase was Mike recounting a prophetic word. But as I've studied that in the scripture, yes. I am convinced, I'm biblically convinced that there is a massive movement that's going to cover the earth of raising up night and day prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. And at this point, I don't even need the prophetic word. It just gave me the turn signal to look in the scriptures to see if it was real. Hmm. That is so good. I think there's individual, there's personal storylines connected to biblical realities. That's right. And that gives us our faith, our courage to stand. We have the prophetic that strengthens us, but it's tethered to the word. And uh, I've seen that happen in my life. And the whole thing about, you know, I had a dream years ago, kind of out of my, uh, I was praying through Psalm 2, Lord, what's my inheritance? And it was in that season that someone gave me a powerful prophetic word. It was after the loss of our son. I'm saying, God, what is our inheritance in all this? And uh, a friend gave a dream that he's going to, that the Lord wants to raise up Nasherites. And as soon as I heard that dream, I said, 100 million. God, give me 100 million. I didn't know why I said that. And for the last five years, I've been just saying it in faith, you know, not really knowing what that meant or anything else. But I felt just the witness on it. And I kept following the breadcrumbs of Scripture and feeling it in my heart. Well, it was just this six, seven months ago in a prayer meeting where the Lord dropped on both me and my wife, Isaiah 62. You know, I'm going to set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. It's and such a familiar verse. Yeah, too. it's such a familiar. It's one of the right the in front one, of us. And here it is. And as and I just began to connect. God, you've been t using a personal storyline connected to a biblical reality that you're going to release in the earth. Mm -hmm. And I have a tributary that links my soul to Isaiah 62, yes. six and seven. Yes, yes, yes. And use whatever sphere of influence that the Lord uses for me to call as many to that bridge. And there'll be millions of bridges yeah. to the same to the same Isaiah 62, 6 and 7 reality. So by the time we release this, it's going to be in the rearview mirror, which I don't like because I want to send people to it. But you're actually having a conference around this. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, again, I think we're releasing these in January, and I think the conference is in November. Yeah, I want to start doing regionals. <laughs> that's, yeah. So yes. that's what I'm wanting to do. That's where I'm going. Past the November event, talk yes. about that. Where's this going? Yeah, I, I want to do my small part to seeing 100 million Gentile intercessors raised up for the salvation of Israel. Come on. I want to see them get set. Revelation, biblically, you know, revelatory community, and that we begin to, to restore the word intercessor in this generation. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be about, restoring what intercessors are. I'm grateful for the women that have carried the torch for the last 2,000 years in back rooms, but it's coming to the front room. And I want to knock the, the stigmas off of it and, and, you know, as, and call forth a watchman, people, intercessors. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for. Can I give no, a shameless plug on another point? Th I, I want to do that. I want shameless <laughs> plugs from you guys. So we want to know what you're doing. Corey we want to celebrate reached it out, and serve it. He reached out to me last October, October a year ago, and he said, man, I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to do a podcast. He goes, I want to do it. He goes, let's do it together. He goes, and let's call forth 100 million intercessors. And, and so we kind of went back and forth, prayed about it, both felt a witness, called it Gripped. And we've just, we've just recorded our fourth season. Come on. This podcast, it's ranking 
in nations all over the earth right now. We're blown away by the response we've gotten. Hmm. And so if you want to get lit up, I mean, if what Corey just said, if it moves your heart even a little, if you want to get lit up, go and listen to Gripped, our podcast on Spotify. That's awesome. Yeah, we've done four seasons. By the time this drops, I think we will probably have just recorded our fifth season. Yes. Well, we just released our first episode of this last week, so you guys need to be plugging us. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord's using these these That's mediums right. That's right. to grip hearts for intercessors, for pastors, for That's leaders, right. messengers all over the earth right now these new mediums to call us into a fellowship that's a global family of affection. Wow. I love it. I want to go back to something earlier that you mentioned. You Do mentioned, it. you know, the Lord's determination to deliver the church from a Laodicean mm. spirit. And one of the things I am burdened for, concerned about even, is that the link be made that a praying church is a church delivered from the Laodicean mm. spirit. There is no other church that's that right. is delivered from spiritual lethargy, dullness, blah, 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 all those things we see in Revelation 3. Because I think many have envisioned a church that is effective, okay, in, in social justice, a church that is effective in preaching the gospel and seeing souls, you know, commit themselves to the altars, you know, commit their life to the Lord, a church moving in power. There is only one on-fire church. Mm. And this is going to be offensive, I think, to different people people what I'm about to say the only on fire church is a church that lives a life of intercession before Amen. the Lord that's it Amen. because you trace it through the Bible there's no other church that is alive than a church that is in the place of prayer and intercession and I am concerned that that link isn't being made so my fear is is that in the days ahead if we can just sustain a level of resource and income with our ministries that if we can keep the lost coming to the church, showing up on Sunday mornings and signing their name on a card, if we can get a few people healed by doing street evangelism and keeping healing rooms open and giving a prophetic word that wow somebody, that that will equate to a church on fire. Mm. And my concern is biblically that won't actually. And that, and my second concern is that the church I think is hanging so much in the balance. I mean, I, I, I want to believe, and, and I might be different from, from the three of you guys in this, I want to believe that the Lord is going to establish a strong praying church in America. But, you know, Luke 18, I'm looking down here at verse 8, it says, you know, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Will he find it? And the faith he's talking about is back in verse 6. Mm -hmm. Day and night prayers for mm -hmm. justice, the crying out of perpetual yeah. intercession arising before the Lord. That's the church that is expressing faith in that hour in the ultimate sense of the of the Lord's return. I'm concerned about that because we've just gone through 18 months of COVID. It's still around, you know, hanging around. We've gone through 18 months. Prayer, from my perspective, has not increased in a significant way. If anything, it's decreased, and people are just kind of sitting around waiting for it to kind of blow over. Mm -hmm. And and I, I just feel this sense of, I know I'm just kind of dropping this on at the end, but I just, man, I just <laughs> feel this sense of urgency. And I know you guys are in this too because you're leading ministries that are dynamically connected to the place of prayer and intercession. I just wanted any of your thoughts on, on that. I literally thought you were going to go a different direction with that, but I, I think you're 100% right that the church that's free to lay in spirit is a church who's op whose heart's open, that's seeing prophetically, that's doing the righteous works and connecting with Jesus. But I thought you were going to say, and the prayer movement is not exempt. That's Be exactly right. Because Revelation 3.20 
Jesus knocking on the door is the entire church at the end of the age that has to come out of the malaise. Yes, the prayer movement. Yes, the house of prayer movement. Yes, the worship movement. Absolutely. We we have come to we have to wrestle with the Laodicean spirit that's blinded our eyes and caused us to walk around naked. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, Corey's, Corey's preached on it for years. If a friend comes to you at midnight as knocking on your door, but in the parable, that's supposed to be us. But yes. that's actually Jesus right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's the one on the outside knocking on the yes. door, coming to us as a friend at midnight in this hour and going, are you with me? This are is you, the burden are on you my with soul. me right now? The burden on my soul is to get the prayer movement out of the Laodicean spirit. Yeah, to get I'm Billy Humphrey out of the latest 100 percent oh i'm operating from that 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. i'm not saying the church needs to get into the prayer movement i'm saying yes, the prayer yes. movement is the church yes and yes. jesus is calling the prayer movement to the prayer movement right now <laughs> yes. and the church by and large is not responding and i you know anyways i'm yes, not gonna yes, go yes. on and on about that and we are at the end Corey, so give sad. the last word just give the last well, thought actually pray for us <laughs> pray for us for yes. real Yes. And and for us, I, I want to leave our listeners with Isaac's point that we are not saying that we're the on fire group and we hope you join us someday. Jeez. I love Isaac's point to end with. No, we're we're here as four brothers aching to be delivered from something. Wanting yeah, to agreed. step into the fullness of what God has yes. for us. Yes. We're talking about ourselves and, you know, misery loves company. But uh, but in that. If you wouldn't mind, Corey, pray for us. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I just pray that you would continue those knocks, God, that you would continually release those knocks. God, I pray that you would invite all of us, you'd bring all of us into the spirit of prayer, into the life of prayer. God, I pray that you would tenderize our hearts, that we would open our hearts to you again. God, I pray for a breakthrough with you and a breakthrough with each other. And God, I pray that you would release the spirit of prayer upon the church. And that we would, God, I pray that you would just rearrange everything yeah. and that you would rekindle old f- flames yeah. and that you would start uh, new flames. Lord and I pray that we would all find each other in humility and gratitude and fierce uh, loyalty to you and to each other. God, I pray that you would release the spirit of prayer upon every person that's yes. listening to this right now. I pray for an awakening of something yes. deep within their hearts that says, I want to break through forms. I want to break through whatever and i want fresh fire and fresh intimacy with god and i pray that you would release that in the name of jesus upon us amen amen well gripped podcast nashrite conference nashrite regionals calling forth a hundred million intercessors for israel which is also what the next 10 years are about people caring about israel and the salvation of israel thank you so much for listening please like please subscribe We would love for you to continue to track with us in the conversation that's unfolding by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IHOPKC Family Connect podcast. Consider subscribing if you haven't, and follow us on social media for other content from IHOPKC.